Watch who? And welcome to Two Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yeah, watching for the very first time. Very first time. And welcome, listeners. We are on the stage at the Palace Theatre. Hey! Hey! <laughs> imagine, imagine. Welcome to the show, <laughs> all you Victorian people. <laughs> yeah, we're here in the Victorian times. Um, I'm going to do a little magic trick. <laughs> magic trick now. Sarah, are you ready? Yes. Mr. Sin, can you please wheel on this magic box for us, please? Ooh. Mm. Um, so if I open the box, there's nothing in it. Ooh. I'm going to shut the box now. Not really breaking it down for us here. Magic tricks on audio are tough. Uh, and now I'm going to open the box. Unless I guess David, yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Who's magically appeared? Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pleased you didn't say here comes a giant rat or something and it's like hello here I am yeah so we're we're talking about the the talents of Wing Chiang uh, welcome back David oh thank you for having me it's lovely to be back really lovely to be back can I just apologize if this crunching I can't help that Mark if you can edit out the crunching that's fine I'm eating some toast you can't be eating toast on stage I am <laughs> <laughs> my bloody takeaway didn't turn up, did it? So I will eat toast. This is my tea. These Victorian people have paid like 10 shillings each to be here. Well, didn't they go and get some muffins or summer? It's just one of the muffins from the Muffin Man on Drury Lane. I've noticed that every time I've been on this podcast, a takeaway hasn't turned up. Maybe it's me. Maybe that's no, like... <laughs> this was definitely me. It was my fault. Okay. Like, I thought it had gone through and it hadn't. So it's all on me, and then so here we are with toast. And I'm sorry, I thought I'd have eaten by now, but <laughs> I've not. It's for everyone's sake that I eat something, because otherwise I'll just get really hangry. We don't want that. We don't want a hangry and a six-part story. Oh, no, exactly, exactly. So I've got two slices to go. We're nearly there. Don't worry. Okay. Well, I think we should. It's quite a, a long story. There's quite a lot to get into this one. I think mm. we should go straight into it. I don't have any updates. I can't talk about neighbours because all these Victorian people have never seen it. So we should just get <laughs> we should just get onto it, shouldn't we? Well, I want to know before you get going how you two both watched this for the very first time. Very first time, as in as in the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. Like when was the first time you saw this, or how did you get it, or what was it? Um, I went to the DVD signing of this story in about, it must have been about 2004 or five. It was at Tenth Planet, which was embarking. And it was, it, there were so many people there that they had to do it outside. And I'm trying to think who was at. Louise Jameson was there for sure. Jago, Lee Seng Chang, and the director was there. Bill Oddie was supposed to have turned up as well, but he didn't. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Bill Oddie was there signing a Doctor Who thing. I'm not sure. I can't remember what it was now. But uh, yeah, and I and you ha and I remember getting the DVD then and watching it. And um, I mean, I, I was going to go or go into this, but I'm just going to say it now. This is one of my favourite Doctor Who stories ever. I mean, this is in like my top five, if not my top three. Wow! So, as a kid, this was one that I think I, I I think as a young kid I didn't quite get it, but when I watched it when I was a bit older, I, I just absolutely adore this story. 
So that's my that's the first time I watched it. Was yeah, yeah. After the DVD signing of of that, which I, which I went to. What about you, Mark? Um, I rented the video from the library. I think I never actually owned it uh, until I got the DVD. Like last week, Robots of Death, which is like in everybody's top. This is as as well up there. Not many people have that bad a word to say about the the story of this one. Um, yeah, it was okay as as a child, and then I absolutely appreciate it. it's got all of those elements that make a great story. Well, it takes from a lot of things. It's got all the sort of Victoriana stuff. It's got bits of Phantom of the Opera, Jack the Ripper, My oh, Fair Lady. I was going to say, that yeah, kind of stuff. My Fair Lady, Sherlock Holmes. It's got like so many little things in it that feel like little nuggets, don't they? And it's so beautifully done. I think that's the other thing I love about this. There are not many Doctor Who stories, I think, that are done so well. And this one, I mean, obviously we'll get into it more, but like the atmosphere, the way it's directed, all the sets and stuff, I just think it's beautiful. I just think it looks stunning. It felt really big and broad. It didn't feel like we're just on a set or something. Sorry, I've got toast in my mouth. (laughs) The, The world that they were in felt large and stuff. I really, really liked all that. I'm just sorry. I'm just disappointed that Sarah hasn't got like a huge bit of meat, like leader, and just like <laughs> biting it there with you. Oh, I, w- I mean, if that takeaway had come, I probably would have been. <laughs> we start off at the Palace Theatre, this lovely theatre that we're in uh, in Victorian times, uh, which is filmed. Yeah, which I think adds to it where they actually have filmed in a real theatre rather than try and create that set. It just does add that extra layer to it. Well, you can't. Oh, yeah. You can't recreate that sort of theatre, can you? You can't recreate that. Yeah, it's great. If it was well, if it was the sixties, they probably would try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this had been a William Hartnell, yeah, I think they probably would have done it very badly. Mm. The mystery already starts off, doesn't it, with this lady that's gone missing, and we have—is it? Oh, I can't. I'm, how do you pronounce it? Lee Seng Chang. Lee Seng Chang. Yeah, Lee Seng Chang on stage doing his magic tricks, uh, and then backstage, there's there's something going on. Something is afoot. Uh, and then the Doctor and Leela arrive. Great location filming in London. Very atmospheric. Yeah, it's it's so beautifully done. Like I was watching this with with my mum, as you know, who is a sort of ish Doctor Who fan. And I mean, even she said that the atmosphere in it and the way it's shot, and the, I think also because it's all done at night time as well, it just looks. It lo- sounds stupid, but it does look like they've travelled back in time to Victorian London to shoot this, to shoot it. I mean, it's just yeah stunning and also nice that leela gets a costume change i was gonna say close watch close watch finally gets a costume change but this i think for me like last week's because she was in a row of of garbs and stuff i don't know it felt a little bit more transitional this is the first time where i felt like we're seeing her as this companion with the doctor because it was so out of her comfort zone. How does she fit within this world? How does she fit within, you know, the unknown? Um, that I really enjoyed. And that this felt like her first proper story, in a way. And I think Louise Jameson, as an actress, does it so well. Because that character on paper could come across as quite irritating and quite annoying. But because she's such a good actress... Like she, not you. You kind of with her the whole time, and obviously we'll get into it later on. But she's so good that you can leave her to do stuff, and she does a lot in this story with the Doctor not around. I mean, she's not like some assistants who just stand there and scream. I mean, she is, you know, she's going off and fighting and and trying to kill 
the villain. I mean, she's just in this. I think this is her best story. I think she's what I really appreciated in this is that she's never not her character, and that's really strong. Like, but you know, I I think of like other companions, and by like the second or third story in, the essence of who they were that we met has gone, and they're just this this companion character. But she is still who that character was that has not changed and yet she's in a completely different environment completely different thing all the things that she knows and like you say she could be this really annoying but she's got such a good balance of that such good balance and that's I mean that's good writing but also I think that's good from her being able to sort of maintain this essence of the character whilst fitting it into a different and you know I'm sort of excited to see how that will develop and change well, this works perfectly because it's starting off. The Doctor's starting to try and teach her a bit more now. It's her third story in. But then this fits perfectly with the Victorian stuff because, one, she has to get changed to be around these people. And it does fit in to that My Fair Lady scenario perfectly. But, yeah, without Leela changing from being from the Sever team and stuff. And it brings some comedy moments in this as well. And, like all the fighting, that fight sequence at the beginning, the Doctor gets attacked, but then she's proper in there doing all the, <laughs> doing yeah, all the yeah. moves as well. She would be, of course she would. She's a fighter. That's what her character is. And also, I think what's great is she's learning, and you see it in this story, like she's learning how to ask the right questions. She's learning how to, you know, she doesn't have to knock everyone out every five minutes and things like that. I mean, and I, again, I think it's because, I think because of Louise Jameson being such a good actress that, it it just it just works so well and the chemistry between the two of them especially is just brilliant. I think as well, this is I think this is a good time whilst whilst we're on the first episode to kind of talk about this. Obviously, Lee Seng Chang is not played by a Chinese actor. Um and I was interested, like Sarah, did when did you realise that this wasn't Quite early on, yeah. actually. The makeup on the eyes wasn't great. Yeah. I never realised until I got the DVD years later and the guy was doing the audio commentary and there was a photo of him. And he wasn't, I, as a child, totally passed me by. I did not know that. And it's come back up again as, you know, so there are those fans now that will be like, can't watch that. It's, and you, remember, you know, there's for what, you know, but you, I think you've got to put it in context. Yeah. I mean, do you remember at the BFI, we went to see this at the BFI not long before lockdown and Paul, Louise Jameson was there and Paul Louise Jameson was kind of getting it thrown at her going, well, why did they cast these, you know, why did they cast a British actor? But it's interesting because, I mean, as you say, you kind of have to look at it as how TV was then. And yeah. you look at things like Rising Damp and Beggar Thy Neighbour that were that were all shows that were making fun of being racist do you know what I mean like those are shows that nowadays you look at and you think oh my god like they this that was on tv then but that was the norm you know that was kind of the norm it sounds horrible to say it and it it kind of it kind of feels a bit like that with this as well you've got to watch it as one as the time um uh, but then also a bit like when we did the Crusades, we talked about this and we said, yeah, OK, you recognise it as that's what it was then. That's what they would do. But you would know that they would not do that now. And that's not acceptable to do now. I don't think you can. And you've got to sort of be put it in that context. 
but also don't go too extreme and be like, well, nobody, if you watch this or enjoy this story, you're racist or anything like that. You can still watch and enjoy the story and know that it was made in that time and that that wouldn't be acceptable now. It's interesting about this because I... um... I've been off work today because I've not been feeling well. And, you know, when you're not well and you're just lazing around trying not to be unwell. And I did a, a quiz or, you know, like a BuzzFeed quiz on my phone. And it was films from 2002. And it was a mix of films that, um, some that have like made the, now we're talking 10 years ago. We're only talking 10 years ago. Films that like, have stood the test of time of those that haven't. Now, 10 years ago, in 2002, we had My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which was a fantastic film. We also had um, Dine of a Day. And we, I'm just going through, like, lists now. We also had some films that definitely have not stood the test of time. And for for reasons that now, this thing, these things just would not happen. Uh, the hot chick, or if we go back a little bit further, go back to like the nineties, Ace Ventura, and there was a the whole thing where she's a man and everyone starts being sick and stuff. That just would not happen nowadays. Like now, you're looking at it and you're like, oh my gosh! But at the time in the cinema, we allowed that in a kids' film, and we allowed all the characters to like throw up at the fact that the beautiful woman was actually a man, and you know all that sort of stuff. So, you know. It's we're even in the last ten years, and we go back as far as ten years. Cinema and film has changed a lot, and what was acceptable ten years ago, or what we accepted ten years ago, I think. When us, maybe it wasn't it wasn't acceptable then, but we accepted it ten years ago. We look at now with different eyes. So I think to put something that was in the seventies and be like, well, why did you do this? Well. We were still doing this in the noughties, you know? We were still doing these sorts of things. And it's right to challenge it and it's right to talk about it. Absolutely. Because it it shouldn't happen. And we are much more aware of representation than ever before. There was a film Tom Hanks did really early on in his career. I can't remember what else off the top of my head, but he did an interview recently and he said, I would never be cast in that film nowadays. It would go to an actor who it should go to. It would never go to me. And, you know, Tom Hanks, it probably made his career. It was very early on. I can't remember what the name of the film was. That's just the nature of what the industry was. And also we look at what the industry is now and it's different. Louise Jameson said they didn't even think about it at the time. It wasn't even yeah no questioned. I mean, I would maybe say the only criticism maybe, I think also they were saying, well, there weren't, you know, um, sort of Asian actors around in the 70s as as much. I don't know if that's 100% true. Maybe they didn't they probably didn't actually tr- actively try that hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean you they, think if they really think wanted to. I think if they really wanted to they could have, but I think it it still wasn't questioned. I'll say one thing though. Although this actress playing like a stereotype of a character, it's not done in like a Mickey Rooney way in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Do you no, know what I mean? No, it's it, it, yeah, it, it's kind of understated in a way. Yeah, it's not an which is why top. I think you could watch it and be like, not even aware of it. I do. It sometimes gets a little bit jumbled up as well because then it's also set in the Victorian times, which were sort of even more back in the past. So you have references in the script as well, which 
I don't think they would say in the 70s, but they would in Victorian times, which is just because it's set in Victorian yeah. times, it's sort of highlighted it even more in a way, I think, as well. You've got to see it, it's, it's the 70s doing historical, which is sort of even worse. Yeah. And also played by the actor from Invasion of the Dinosaurs, the one who plays the, the, the unit, the baddie. I've forgotten his name. Um, yes, the, the evil general. Evil general. general. Ah. Yeah, General... Not General Finch? Sm- yes, That's General Finch. Finch. It is General Finch, yeah. yeah. So, but no, I had no idea until I saw on the DVD making of. And I don't think I knew, and I don't think I knew until I met him at the signing. I think it was only when he sort of, you know, signed a, signed the DVD. I was like, oh, that that's. It was only the eyes, the eye makeup, just seemed really off. That I I thought I thought you used some prosthetics or something there. Just something didn't seem right. That made me think. And as we were saying, you've got to look at it as a piece of television from then. You know, that's what we've got to remember was that this was in the seventies, and yeah, and we can. If say, it was like the new Jodie Whittaker episode yeah, and his, you know, absolutely. then it would be like, oh, okay, no, you, yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. I think, and I actually, I think it, what I find interesting with Doctor Who in terms of, I was talking to someone about this if night and obviously not being a fan, but we're watching it in order. Uh, so we're watching sort of the evolution of a series and there's things that, happen within the series now and the way that characters are represented and played that would not have happened even in the 60s when it started you know and you know it it's an ever evolving thing but it's also very ahead of its time in some ways not always now i i also think as well we're sat here as three white people that can say well we're not offended and i think if you know if i was of uh, a certain heritage and I watched that and was I might feel differently and that's totally okay and that's fine for me watching it although I don't think it's right I'm like that was also what it was at the time I know if that was to happen now it would be cancelled and we'd have much stronger opinion but equally you can't go back and change what took place and what happened I mean I was just saying when you said about Doctor Who evolving um, yeah I mean Leela is the equivalent of Susan going around every episode with her scissors out, <laughs> yeah, going around with everybody in every single story, and now you got Leela going around with a knife and a Janus uh, throwing it around and actually killing people. Still, she is a companion that kills people. Still, she. We've talked. We've talked recently about the violence and you know what some of that is in the series and stuff, which we, we never would have had in the sixties. But even just like, even just going back a character to so someone like Sarah. Jane, you know, her character was so rounded and so strong-willed, a little bit like Polly, I think, was supposed to be. We won't go down that road, but... There's the mention There's the mention of Polly. We got it in. Yeah, but I think, like, that character of Sarah would not have been... The closest was Barbara, and Barbara, even then, was always the damsel in distress. Sarah Jane didn't have any of that. She wasn't really a love interest... Maybe once I can think of, possibly Mask of Mandragora, wasn't it? It was a sort of. I think that was it. I think, and it wasn't even anything. Look at Mark's face. He's like, "What? What?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, so confused. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, there was literally that once, and it wasn't even a massive thing. It was kind of like a. Will you stay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've moved so much 
further along in terms of like the females aren't just the love interest or just, you know, and also let's talk about how she left a minute because previously all the female companions left to be with a man. Yeah. Up until Sarah. Or were killed. Yeah. (laughs) Or killed. Hashtag button. So (laughs) I think like, you know, it, it's an ever-evolving, changing series that's trying to be relevant to its time, and its time was this. It was the 70s. You uh, know this young female, sir? Oh, yes, yes. We were attacked by this little man and four other little men. Oh, and I got here, sir. He was being strangled with his own pigtail, sir. Really? Girlish enthusiasm, officer? You might call it that, sir. I call it making an affray. So the Doctor and Lila end up at the police station... Uh, there's the guy who takes the sc- scorpion venom and like kills himself. That was a bit. Do you know what? He has that little thing in the ring yeah. doesn't he, and eats it. And also, she's never going to get a mention again ever on a podcast. So I'm going to do it. Go. I knew it. The ghoul is a woman of who in my eyes. Oh my who? Own. The ghoul. I never seen anything like it in all my gold. <laughs> the old, the old woman down at the river. Yes, if she, I know doesn't get, if, she, if she doesn't get a nomination for best supporting character, I'm. Uh... <laughs> okay, I knew you were going to ask this. She's, um, she's not a woman of who. Mark, she is a woman of who. She finds she's the body. Not... <laughs> Without her, they wouldn't have had the mystery of like the story wouldn't even have started. Uh, what was it that like the doctor said at one point? Like, what's the tribe here? And he went Cockney or something. <laughs> she she should have been she should have been the companion. I mean, imagine imagine Ghoul and. <laughs> She should have had more to do, more interviews, more, you know, involvement in the story. She should have been at stage door, letting the people in. So, sorry, she she finds the body of the guy that was looking for his girlfriend at the beginning. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a lot yeah. of bodies in this. Sometimes it's a bit hard to keep track. A lot of body. Yeah, yeah it's a bloody, yeah. you know, it's a... It's a I mean, literally, I think we're about, <laughs> we talked about two or three bodies in the first two episodes, I think. Yeah, so um, yeah, I've put body in the river. It's a floater, lady is <laughs> That's my name. <laughs> it's a floater. <laughs> That's what she said. It's a floater, all right. Isn't that what she said? I hope it is. <laughs> and this is where we. Well, actually, no. Let's talk about Jago because we've already seen him a little bit at the theatre. Yeah, I he's think a brilliant. Character. I think he for me. I mean, everyone in it is brilliant, but I do think he's the standout in it. I mean, I just think. Again, there's not many characters in a Doctor Who. Who Sarah's looking like he was the theatre owner. The theatre owner. Oh, the theatre owner. Oh, okay, interesting. I preferred the other guy, the Lightfoot. Yeah, I preferred him more. I thought he was just more of a fun character. The uh, I like the sort of um, eccentricity. That's what I'm looking for. Eccentricity of the theatre owner. I think also like Jago's. I can't think of very many who actually kind of has a bit of a character arc in six episodes. I mean, he starts off as a bit of a bumbling, you know, fool. And by the end, he he's kind of becomes quite tough. There's that lovely scene in the final episode where he talks about, you know, oh, I'm actually not as brave as I think. I think, yeah, I think he's, I mean, I say everyone's brilliant in it, but I think he is just brilliant. And was in Inferno. Sorry, I always do this. He was also in Inferno, the John Pertwee story. You know, so. Yes, he was. He, he was. So. Chris's favourite, Inferno. Was it Chris? Chris's favourite. Shout out to Chris, Inferno. Shout out to the ghoul. She's here in the audience. There she is. I can see her in the (laughs) camera. I think why fans like this are all the 
characters in this, like Jago and Lightfoot, are big fan favourites. It's so much so, Sarah, that you won't know this. Um, they have their own audio series now. Well, they did. No. They had. Um, so the guy that played Lightfoot died recently, but before then, they reunited like 40 years later, and there's about 13 audio series of Jago and Lightfoot investigating together in Victoria, oh London. It's a brilliant series from Big Finish. Okay. Like, they just went on and on. They, they, yeah, they, there's tons, and they, and Leela comes back, and there's all sorts of other things. So Jago and Lightfoot, the series, like that, that's how great these characters are, that they've had 13 series on audio together. 13 series, sorry, did series. you say? Yeah, box series. sets. Sorry, box in my sets. head I heard episodes. No, 13 box sets. Oh, my God. Box and yeah, the ghoul doesn't appear in a single one of them. <laughs> so she was in the first one. She started it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's how, that's how like well-loved these characters are. And this world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it's such a good world and it's... I think it's because it's a world that we feel we know, but we don't know. There's there's so much familiarity to the world as well. Now, the theatre maker guy, I just, like, I found him quite over the top, but I quite like that. It sort of fit into it all. Um, And I grew to like him even more as it went on. I think, like, on my first watch, like, this one, which it obviously was, like, the, (laughs) but, like, I think if I watched it again, I might see it with different eyes is what I'm trying to say. Sorry, the toast hasn't kicked in properly yet. First time to begin with, I was a bit like, who is he? What's he doing? And then I grew to like him more because you sort of, like you say, his character sort of fits within that and how he interacts with the Doctor and what he believes. And it's just so quite, it's some really nice light relief to everything going on. He's a bit like a sort of Charles Dickens type character. Yes, he is. Yeah, a bit of a sort of like fizzwig, fizzywig. Is it fizzywig? Yeah. yeah. The one, yeah. Oh, what does it? Is that in um, Christmas? Christmas? Yeah. Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah. yeah. Christmas yeah, Carol. Yeah. Well, it's it's. What does which Muppet plays it in? Fuzzy I love how we Fuzzy automatically Bear. go Fuzzy to Bear the Muppets. It. It's like <laughs> yeah, I know. Perfect. You have to because it is the best version of a Christmas Carol. It's true, <laughs> but I just love how we automatically were like Fuzzy Bear. That's it. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, Charles Dickens wrote Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's one of, of the course. best films ever made, <laughs> genuinely. It is. Oh, for yeah, sure. Oh my God, Doctor yeah. Who, The Talons of Wing Chang with the Muppets. That would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. Come on. Oh, because you'd have... Doctor, as Jay, what is, as, what is Jay, let's, cast like, it. let's cast it with Muppets. Well, Rizzo the Rat would be the giant rat. Come on, let's... let's, let's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jago and Lightfoot would be um, the Professor and Beaker. Wouldn't they? Well, no, be no? Fozzie Bear. Sure. <laughs> oh, the Fuzzy do- Bear. Doctor would have to. Would, what about Gonzo for the Doctor? Yeah, Gonzo yeah. for the Doctor. Yeah, because yeah, he's quite. Uh, who'd Leela be then, Miss Piggy? So does it have to? Wouldn't it? No, Miss Piggy would be what's the name at the, the start? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's Miss Piggy? Uh, what other? Um, isn't it Janice that plays the drums? Oh, yeah, yeah, that could be... Yeah, that's Leela. Janice. 100% that's Leela. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Wang Chang would be Animal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe Lightfoot could be Kermit and Jago would be Fozzie Bear. <gasps> no! Um, Jago could be Miss Piggy and Lightfoot <laughs> would be Kermit. <laughs> that would work. Who would Mr. Sin be? <laughs> oh. Beaker? I don't know. 
beer. <laughs> that would be the weirdest yeah. Mr. Sin. <laughs> what? Muppets me. Okay, that's it. Yeah, there we are. My life is my suggestions, everyone. Suggestions. Just tweet us. Just tweet us. Just tweet us and say, come on, who can we get in the Muppets? Okay, speaking of. Speaking well, and then, well, sorry, one thing I didn't fully understand, so just explain this, because it came up and I was like, is it? Are we talking so about the Muppets? Was, <laughs> no. The, it wasn't the Master, was it? No. Because at I one thought... point they called him the Master, and then I was like, well, is it the Master? And I got very... Oh, but so I was no, like, or is he just calling him, as in because he's referred to him as the Master, as in his yeah. Master? It was very confusing. But because well, you, you don't see his face or anything, it, it could easily be the master. If you swapped out oh, the story, sure. it wouldn't it need should... to change very much. No, no, that's why I wondered for a long time, I did wonder if it was the master for that reason. Because we know that, like, he's unbalanced. We know that, like, he's disfigured. We know that he's travelled through space. You know, the story of, like, he's lost his ship would make sense. There's a lot that could fit with it being a story. Sorry, I thought you said you lost his shit. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Yeah, good. that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> he's landed and lost his shit in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> he's, landed, he's lost his shit. He's on Earth. <laughs> I have a feeling in the back of my mind that at one point they were thinking the Master was going to be in this. I feel like I read it somewhere that they were they were considering it, but then... I can imagine it, though. I can definitely see it. I think that would elevate it so much. Yeah, because well, we'll get to it a bit later. We've got all the Wayne Chang stuff and all the backstory. It's a bit rushed at the end of the story. You don't really get a full picture of where he's from and what's happened. You I mean, don't sort of even a bit. see him until about episode three. You don't see him for a long time, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a while. We It was episode four, and I remember, I checked, it was the end of episode four when... It's all sort of summarised, as in, as in, like this, and they conclude, like this is what's happened. And he said something like, "Well, we're going to have to go and get it." And that, and so it felt then like the adventure was starting. Then I was like, "This makes sense. Why it's six? Well, he's he's Wang Chiang, and then he's Magnus Greel. Yeah. At the end, he's actually Magnus Greel, pretended to be Wang Chiang. So who was Wang Chiang? So he's the 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 sort of. Um, am I getting this right? The sort of Chinese god that Li Sing Chan think, and his yeah. gang had sort of worshipped and brought over, but actually it's Magnus Grill from the future who is pretending to be Wang Chiang. Like the cult of Wang Chiang. I think I think as well, for me, I know we've talked about this before, but this is for me another six passer that really works. Like I don't think at any point like you say, because you you don't meet Magnus Grill till episode three. But I kinda don't mind that because you've got the two episodes of kind of setting it all up and having the mystery and getting involved and things like that. And I, I can't really think of anything where it kind of drags, if you know what I mean. It just doesn't there's not a moment in it where I think, oh actually this this could be cut. It it just kind of goes it goes so fast as well. I mean, I was sitting watching the episodes. I'll going, give it that. It did. It didn't feel like I was watching it, and I didn't feel like my life was ending. Do you know what I mean? I could we just say um, this is the first six part you've watched all in one go? I think. 
No, it's not. We've had to do six parties in one go, surely. I don't know. It's been a struggle, but I'm sure we've done it. I don't think so. I think we've done a one before and then maybe done five, but six in one go. Oh, no. Yeah, I did all six in one go. Well, I tell like, so I did. Oh, did we? Oh, no, we did the mutants all in one go, did we? No, we didn't even do the mutants all in one go. No, we did a three and a three. No. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you've done six before. I did episode (laughs) one. I'm so shocked. (laughs) I did episode one. And then before I started episode two, I put a pizza in the oven. <laughs> and then during episode two, when it was ready, I stopped, got the pizza out of the oven and ate it, and then carried on watching. Oh, I think that's still that's still all in one. So in, in theory, yeah. I just do it all in one sitting other than stopping to get the pizza out of the oven and put it in. So going into, we're still in part one. So <laughs> Sorry, I'll get yeah, through a little bit more. Yeah. Um, like, moving on. <laughs> moving on from so, Well, Mr. Sin, so we see this sort of ventriloquist's dummy uh, that uh, that Mr. Chang has, and Jago spots there's blood coming from the hand. What are we all thinking of Mr. Sin? Because I think he's really effective. Oh, he's scary. I mean, he. I mean, I don't like those, those ventriloquist dummies anyway. They freak me out. But I think especially that shot of him you know, jumping down with a knife towards Buller and then at the end of episode two. I mean, that's, that. yeah, terrifying. Not surprised to be from the start, I knew that wasn't a puppet. Yeah. What What was your What were you thinking? It was what was. I just thought it was like a child, or it was some sort of like, like because very early on, I think in the story, they sort of insinuate that the woman's gone missing and she was at the show. So I wondered whether he was stealing and she was young. So I wondered whether they were stealing children and brainwashing them. So I was wondering whether it was a child that had been brainwashed initially. But I was like, that ain't no, like it ain't a puppet. And just knew the way they were holding it, everything about it. I was like, it ain't a puppet. And he's also just going to do my acting glasses again, played by, um, Deep Roy, who I don't know if you've ever seen the Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but he plays all the Oompa Loompas. Oh! Which is, a, which is always, I always found a bit, it was one of those moments where about years later I was like, oh, Oompa Loompa is Mr. He's Sin. done a lot. Yeah, he's done a lot. He's in like Indiana Jones, he's done Star Wars, he's done, anytime you need a, a smaller actor, Deep Roy is there. To, to yeah. play, and he's and, uh, and I mean, even he's you know he's behind a mask and everything, but I think he's excellent in it, and he doesn't have many lines particularly, but he does what he does so well. Yeah, he's terrifying. Leela throws the knife in his neck, and he carries on. I mean, I'm surprised they got away with that. I know we talked about the violence a lot before, but he, that it's just that has escalated to another level in this one. That's one of those. It's, I know we're jumping it, but episode two. That cliffhanger where, you know, she opens the door and he's coming towards her. I mean, imagine watching that as a kid and then having to wait a whole... Like, that's a terrifying last image to have. And then you have to wait a week to find out what's going to happen. I mean... And and I think it's scary because he doesn't speak. Yeah, exactly. It's just this silent yeah. thing coming, like, just coming towards you, like this giant doll coming towards you. Yeah, I mean, it's so effective. It's so well mm. done. Yeah, so, yeah, and... Because um, it, later it's explained that it's... Um, there's a creature and he's got the heart of a pig, so he sort of makes those pig noises a bit later on towards the end. Yeah, when he's on the... It's, it's a terrifying character. It's really terrifying. It's Peppa Pig. That's not... <laughs> yeah, Peppa Pig's first job. Yeah. <laughs> if, it was done, uh, if it was done nowadays, we'd play it by Peppa Pig. 
Well, then end of part one is the giant rat moment. Oh. Well, giant rat cliffhanger number one. Oh. Probably the one thing that lets this story down in terms of design and production. You, you see, I... <laughs> I kind of disagree a little bit because it's to me it's the only kind of shit thing in this story, but I still love it. Do you know what I mean? Like I watch this story and I think, oh, it's absolutely perfect from start to finish, and then you see the giant rat and you go, oh no, there is one thing. Do you know what I mean? Like there is, it's not great, and I understand it's not great, but part of me just thinks there's got to be something in this that doesn't quite work, and then it's like the giant rat appears and you're like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's just oh. yeah. I th- do you know what? I think it's just because of giant rats. So I had a moment where, because you don't really see it's a rat for a while, and I thought that it was a hound of Baskerville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it was trying to do some sort of like hound, it was sort of, sort of trying to be like the whole Sherlock thing. And I thought it was trying to insinuate that it was a dog or something like that, or the beasts in the sewer, in the sewers, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Sewers, I don't know what that word was. Then the rat appears, and I was like, oh. <laughs> it's a bit like, well, what's that about? And I know it's trying to do it. Well, I saw the new CGI rat, which is on the Blu-ray, which they've redone. Oh, oh. which is so much more effective. I'm a traditionalist. So that, you see, that option. I'm a traditionalist. I went proper. I did Brett Box. <laughs> well, yeah. There we go. I mean, they did well for what they could do. I mean, we've had giant. What we've we had giant spiders, giant maggots. We've had giant ants. <laughs> Just giant rats now. Yeah. Now we have had a lot of giant creatures, yeah. um, and the idea is that dinosaurs. Whatever... dinosaurs. Yeah, giant. Yeah. Well, they were sort of giant in the first place. Small dinosaurs. Yeah, no, I saw them. No, that was the other way around. They were small dinosaurs. <laughs> Those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were too small. Um, and the idea is that whatever the experiments they've been doing has sort of worn off on the creatures because there's that sort of not giant giant spider, but there's a bigger spider, isn't there? That the doctor finds. I think that got a little bit lost in the script, in the sort of... It, it, there was like one line to explain it, basically. Yeah. But you needed some creature in this yeah. to kill everyone down the, for a couple of cliffhangers worth. So, <laughs> giant rat. Um, and then we go on to part two. Um, dinner at Lightfoot's, I've put, because that's that's great. Where Leela, that's where we have all that really sort of comedy stuff with Leela, with them eating the meat and the buffet and all of that, and Lightfoot being a bit like, surprised about how she's behaving. I love all of that. I love that scene. Because the thing, I was watching the documentary on on the Blu-ray about it. And what I love about that scene is, and the guy who plays Lightfoot says this, is he adapts to her. So the yeah. only thing that he disagrees with her with is, you know, her not using a napkin. I think that's such a lovely little touch that he's too gentlemanly to say, no, we don't do it like that. He's he's adapted to her, but the only thing he says no to is just no, no. Use the napkin. Don't use the tablecloth. I just think it's yeah, it's a lovely little scene. Their relationship very much. If we're going down the whole my fair lady route, is it's not um, it's not Professor Higgins. It's the captain. Okay, I don't. I don't actually know my fair lady. All I know is that Martin McCutcheon played it. Of course, you once. know that. Of course, <laughs> I don't you know, know anything that. else about it. That is such a Mark <laughs> thing. I love it. Is... <laughs> she didn't even do that much of it, Mark. She was sick most of it. She got an Olivier Award for it. So there we go. She got an Olivier yeah. Award for it. And what's her name? Did it? Um... Oh gosh, what's her name? Wasn't Are she? Wasn't she? Well? Wasn't she papped in like? saying she was ill and then she was pap going into nightclubs and 
Martin McCutcheon, this is not. Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the name of the actress that ended that was around us today? Ah, and she's been in Wicked, really famous. It'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. I'm going to have to look it up. It's going to annoy me. But yeah, but the way that it's played and the way, you know, Louise Jameson is brilliant. Louise Jameson can be in My Fair Lady. I don't think Marty McCutcheon could be Leela. <laughs> what <laughs> Just a brilliant bit of casting. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, what happens in it then? Is it so it's uh, sort of it? So it's, it, it, yeah. It's a cocky woman who she sells flowers and she basically there's a professor who's an elocution specialist and him and his friend who is, I think, a sergeant, they make a wager that he he says he could teach anyone to, he could, like, you know, change anyone. And he, uh, and he goes, all right, her. And he's like, fine. So they take her in and they basically try and make out that she's a real lady. So they do all these lessons and they have to try and make society believe that she's a proper lady and not just some woman selling flowers on the street. And so she goes to this, like, um, the derby or what, the races and one of the men there f- falls fabulously in love with her and she kind of lets herself away, but he loves like her short version. Obviously by this point they've fallen in love, but they're very different people and yeah, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's a great summing up. Of the- and then okay. at the end of the show, and, the- and it's a musical. Yeah. And it was a play as well. There was a play called Pygmalion, but my fair oh, lady. Oh. And then at the end of the show, a giant rat comes on and uh, <laughs> no, just, oh, no. just- <laughs> <laughs> For listeners, Mark's well, face did. Mark's face was a bit like, really? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> and then in this episode, talking about shows, it goes very Phantom of the Opera all of a sudden because then we get that chase the Doctor through the backstage of the theatre. I, I think this is where we see. Do we see the underground, the sort of lair of Wing Chiang? Trying to find my notes, um, but yeah, it goes very Phantom of the Opera there. Uh, all behind the scenes, and it's great that they use that real theatre because uh, you got all the ropes and stuff. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, the, the, all that sort of chase scene as well. It's just yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think notes I put again, I and mean, we've already mentioned this, but then the scary, prop, you know, the proper scary cliffhanger of Mister Sin holding the knife, and yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Carrie Alice was the name I was thinking of before. Oh, I saw in Anything Goes the other week. Oh, cool. Jim. Yeah, with Bonnie Langford. Yeah. Shout out so, to Bonnie yeah. Langford. Uh, so, yeah, so, so Harry actually... Ellis was Martin McClutchin's, like, not understood it. I think they, they shared the role, and then basically Martin McClutchin was never there, so she didn't more than planned. <laughs> uh, Martin McClutchin had to promote her music career as well at the same time, I think. So she was busy, to be fair. Yeah, you all make choices. Okay, move on. <laughs> Uh, she got to number two with on the radio, <laughs> and she was a swan. Anyway. And she was a swan on the masked singer. So you know, I mean, what a legacy! Oh, was she? she was. Oh wow. Anyway, okay. Oh, and she Ooh, was killed. And she was killed by what large wheel of cheese in midsummer murders. That's what I know her oh, from. Of course, of course. She doesn't last midsummer five murders. minutes. She's she's dead pre-titles, but she gets killed over the head. And every Christmas, she's on TV in Love Actually. Never seen it. Have you not? No. That's a film that's very much again. I think that was two thousand and two. You know, I think that might have been on my two thousand and two list. 
I'm going to Google that one. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's go to part three. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mr. Sin's got the knife in the neck. Leela leaps out of the window. Amazing stunt there as well. And gets onto the back of that awesome car and off she goes. Mm. This, this episode also has poss- one of my favourite cliffhangers, I think, ever in Doctor Who. Ever. ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, leader in the big rat. Yeah. I think that is it. Yeah, I think that's a. I remember. Go, I remember going to a convention in about two thousand and fourteen that Louise Jameson was at, and on her panel, someone stood up and said, "This is a bit of a spoiler for you, Sarah, but I'm sure you won't mind." But Should I show my ears. No, no, no. It's fine because it's a funny. It's a funny story. Um, but so a fan stood up and said, "Leela never screams apart from in the Talons of Wing Chiang when she's going." He goes, "Were you annoyed that that was her only scream?" And she said, well, what I used to do, she goes, I used to get scripts for it and it would say Leela screams and I would just rub it out, you know, or cross it out. And she said, but I allowed her to scream in this one. She said, and she goes, and also, to be honest, she goes, if a large rat was gnawing at your leg, you wouldn't really just shout, oi, get off, would you? I mean, you'd you'd do a proper old scream. So she was like, yeah, yeah. I allowed it. I allowed it. So, yeah, I think I, th- I think what I love about it is it sh- for the first time, it shows Leela in- scared. And you know yeah. she's not she's not scared. Like I say she's killing people for the last two episodes, and she's running out of like running out, you know, running out of windows and things like that. But yeah, I think that's I think that is a brilliant cliffhanger, and it's a piercing scream as well. I, it's, I it's from an aud- yeah from an audience point of view, you have genuine fear. Like there was a point where I thought she might die actually because it seems so. Um, the the stakes seem really high. And it's and a proper probably... scream. It's a good scream. I mean, we've had a lot of Doctor Who screams in our time, but that one is a proper, like, she sounds terrified. Yeah. I suppose the only thing is, because you've had that first episode cliffhanger with the rat, if they'd left it until you'd see the rat only in part three, I don't, because you've already seen it and you've had a cliffhanger of it, that's the only thing that lets it down for me, is because it's like, oh, the rat again. But I think I think it. what I like about it more than the first one is, the first one is it's just... You just see the rat, whereas in this one, in a way, it kind of shows how dangerous the rat is. Instead of just like bumbling along, you know, kind of like it does in the first well, episode. Well, it eats um, it eats Mister yeah. leg off at the end. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah. and I just, yeah, I think that that, yeah, and that, like I say, even now, that's a cliffhanger that I watch and go, oh, like kind of get a bit of chills by the back of my blind thinking. I know she's going to be fine, but it just, yeah. And again, Louise Jameson does it really well. Oh my god! Imagine if that was Susan. Imagine that was Martin McCutcheon. <laughs> oh my god, Martin McCutcheon with a bit of cheese, getting the, <laughs> attracting the rat. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, um, this is in part three where Chang is hypnotizing the girls because Wang Chiang needs their life energy. So yeah, he's getting desperate. Going I'm a lady. Yeah, Leela's like following and um and dresses up as one of the girls and that's how she gets into the into things. So Leela's, you know, got her own bit of story. I mean, for a six part that's that's good. That she's quite separate to the doctor for yeah. a good chunk of it. And I think that's what's so good about her character is like you said, she can go off and do things. Like she won't just sit around and just kind of be the damsel in distress. she, she if she can go and kill Magnus Grill, she'll go and bloody do it. You know, I mean she does get quite close a few times. And yeah, 
And then we, I think this is where we're finding out about the Barks and the Doctor and Lightfoot. They go out on the boat. Some great, more great location filming uh, on on there. And we actually haven't talked. The Doctor's outfit is yeah. pretty good in this, isn't it? Sort of the Sherlock Holmes, the cape and the hat that he's got. And it it just works so well. I mean, you, I, I couldn't see him in the scarf and and hat. And I think the cost again, the costumes in this are beautiful. I think. The way they're all suited and booted is just, and he's very Sherlock Holmesy, of course. You know, he's very Sherlock Holmesy. He's acting. He's so. It's. I mean, he's still amazing. We haven't had a bad performance from Tom Baker at all. He's still serious when he's talking to Jago. He's very. You know, you know when the stakes are high with with the Doctor because he's. You know, he knows that Wang Chang is this is a dangerous threat. But but he does those flippant remarks as well when he's talking to various people. But then he can just completely go into this is serious, this is really dangerous, and he he. I mean, Tom Baker did play Sherlock Holmes. He did at a later yes. date. He did. Really? A of Sherlock he did. Holmes. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually. It's not have been his casting take that he sent in then, surely. <laughs> I mean, there's a great quote that Tom Baker says where he played both Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty in a stage play. He played the same characters in the same play and cocked them both up. That's what he says. That's that's how he describes his Sherlock Holmes. Apparently, he says he wasn't very good. Well, I don't know. I've I've not seen it. I've not seen it. No, I I, could, I would think he'd be amazing as Sherlock Holmes. He'd be he'd be perfect. Um, okay, we're well, going into part four then. Um, Leela gets changed. Clothes watched <laughs> again into that. Ah, and what a change! What a change! Eliza, that is Eliza Doolittle, isn't it? I mean, that that's, whole that's yeah, that is her point. Eliza Doolittle moment from a very revealing outfit. <laughs> <laughs> to an Eliza Doolittle, <laughs> Eliza Doolittle dress. And so they're off to the theatre for the evening, um, and we have Victoria Music Hall time. And I'm, I'm going to ask this question now, and I hope you're not offended by this, Sarah, but have you ever done Music Hall? Because I could see you properly on that stage going, <laughs> Daisy, Daisy, yeah. Have I ever done a musical? Like or a have mu- what? Music Hall, Music Hall. Music hall. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a musical. Music hall. Um, no, but um, I did. I used to do like World War songs and stuff like that. I could see Sarah doing so, that. I really could, you know. Yeah. Uh, when I was at Cathedral for Remembrance Day, I did some war songs, like Vera Lynn songs and stuff like that. And we did a project at college where we went around old people's homes and I did stuff like that then Vera Lynn songs and stuff like that so yeah I've done things like that yeah I think you'd be, I just our think pr- you'd be very good at it I just think our primary school <laughs> did um a night at the Victoria Music Hall we did all of that in in primary school and did you guys ever have that day out to the Victorian place where you were oh, yes. oh. around and do all of no, that no I never got to yes. do that yeah we all had to dress up and have I'd like um lunch you know lunch in a little like wrapped up thing with a stick Oh. You know, on your shoulder year. like that, and a cap. Yeah, you used to do that because that's when I met Queen Victoria on the train. Really scary. <laughs> just casually met Queen Victoria. I know it was like they're like she's in there, go in there, and she was there in all her black with all these flowers sitting in this carriage, and I had to go up to her and say, you know, hello, and she was like, oh, and what do you do? And I was like. Uh, I'm a I'm a farmer. Right? <laughs> my mum my mum has like, to do it every year because she works in a school. You have to take you take the kids. She does it every year. Yeah, 
Yeah, and she was like, oh, that's very good. That's very good. You're keeping the, you know, the crops and everything. And I was like, yes. <laughs> 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 and then, yeah, and they had the Victoria musical and Forever Blowing Bubbles. And, oh, and we also did Sherlock Holmes the musical as well. Never did any of that. Never did any of that. Oh no, we definitely. I clearly had a sheltered childhood watching Talons of Wing Chang and doing nothing else. (laughs) Well, you got your bit here. You saw the Victoria music call in this. That's true. That's true. And also, I thought if you don't mind, this is a a time I'm going to mention. So I actually have the script to episode four of the Talons of Wing Chang. I do. Oh yeah, episode four of the original script. So, um, I don't know if you know this. I probably have mentioned it, but my my dad is a magician, or used to be a magician. And one day he was at the Magic Circle and a, and a gentleman called Larry Barnes, who was the most lovely man you could ever have met, came over to my dad and said, um, said, oh, your son's a big Doctor Who fan, isn't he? He said, yes. He said, well, I worked on an episode many years ago. Would he like the script? And my dad said, oh, yes, he would love it. And he said, oh, don't worry if not. He'll use it to take telephone messages on. So, you know, being like, oh, God, no, he would love it. So... Um, yeah, I got presented with episode four of the Talons of Greel, which is what it was originally going to be called. Um, by this, yeah, by Larry Vance, who was the magic advisor on Talons of Wing Chang. So not only did he do the bit with, you know, the Doctor and Jago, and I think is it episode two when all the the silks are coming out of the pocket and the does that, but he also does all the bit in episode four with. Um, uh, Lee Seng Chang doing all the cabinets and stuff. So he he went and choreographed it in a way. Um, but yeah, and he yeah he very very kindly gave me that script, which I've since Aww. got people. I've got people at conventions to sign, and um, yeah, it's 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 amazing reading through it. I mean, it's just like it's a piece of history. It's history, yeah. And I mean, reading bits like I, I remember exactly. The scene where the lady's on stage singing Daisy, it says in the script, a person is on stage singing a, a famous musical number. The camera pans up to the Doctor and Leela and, and all that. And the other thing I do remember is it is written. Uh, Lee Seng Chang's lines are written a bit strange, shall we say. They are sort of, yeah, the, oh, the intonations okay. and stuff are a bit a bit odd. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's... I'm, very very proud is that because he's playing that character on stage though no, no the, it's there are certain the there is magician the yeah. chinese magician as it there were. are certain certain words that are used like trick which is which are written differently to be sort of a chinese version of how you would say that word so it's yeah it's a fascinating thing to read but um but yeah so you, you know the trick with the cards and the gun and mm-hmm. that is that like a real thing, or is I that like a TV? I don't think. Because I was, yeah. I was like, how the hell did they do that? If that is an actual, is that like a a genuine trick? I've, that I've would never do on seen stage? anyone do it, but it doesn't necessarily no. mean it's not a trick. I mean, I know that the actor who played Lee Sen Chang had to actually learn how to do all the things of pulling out the the swords and and you know the levitating girl and I think the first episode, yeah, all of the, that's all done yeah, properly, that's all isn't properly, it? On yeah, stage, that's all, and yeah. he, I remember Larry saying to me that he had to sign a, the actor had to sign a disclosure form to say he wasn't able to sort of tell anybody how he did it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Larry worked on lots of different TV shows as a magic advisor, and um, and yeah, so it's. Um, yeah, it's it's a lovely bit of memorabilia to have because it, it's not it's nice to see all the actual you're sort of there in the audience with everyone watching the tricks and stuff. There's there's 
there's time in the script for you to sit and watch the performance and you know the Doctor and Leela's up there in the box watching as well. Uh, and it doesn't sort of rush over that. You get to actually see a bit of magic and where where she's left, she goes up pretty high. She goes like over him. I just like, oh my god, she, she's wobbling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, she's all and right. that great moment when he he he's got the gun and he brings the cards closer to him. I mean, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was a really good moment. I enjoyed all that because that is a point where you're like, is this his plan? And it's not his plan. And yeah, I liked all that. And that's where the he's doing the sword box thing, and he brings the doctor down, and then it's the guy Casey, the backstage yeah, poor guy, Casey. Casey's, yeah, which is a bit of a shock. That's quite sad because I do like that character. I think he's quite a nice little fun character. It's got a sort of brutal way to kill him, really. But <laughs> yeah, but then I suppose yeah, because it's supposed to be um, Wang Chang's killed. Yeah, him I think on his I way think out. So, yeah, I think that's the. Yeah, he sees him and he's shot. He dies of shock, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Another death. Another death. Another death. That poor coroner. Um, and meanwhile, Mr. Sin is put in a basket and left at Lightfoot's house for a while. <laughs> yeah. It's a normal Saturday um, night for Mr. Sin, you know? Just as it, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to read my notes here. I'm trying to read my own writing. This is where it's getting Uh-oh. a bit difficult to read. I've got I've got um, the rat eating Lee Sen Chang as the only silly bit, in my opinion. That doesn't look great. <laughs> I don't know. You don't. It's a, it's dark enough that you can't really see a lot. It's all a bit. And I was surprised when I first watched it that we saw him later on. I thought you'd think that's the end of him and he's gone, and then you see him again. I think they're even. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw him again. I thought he'd just been. It's because I think you see the rat's bum. <laughs> and there's, so the like... there's the title of the episode right there. <laughs> yeah. It's because you see the rat's bum. I, th- I don't remember seeing it, but well, but you—it's the first time where you see the full rat, and you see how bad the rat is, and you kind of get a bit of a bum shot of the rat. So when you have the face and all that, you're kind of like, okay, well, that's where that's the rat. But when you see like the full thing, you're like, oh, it's a—it's just a really bad prop rat. <laughs> <laughs> we could have been shot a bit differently. I'm just reading my right. I've got Chang. Oh yeah, guy gets stabbed. Oh well, I put that reminds me of when you know it was ages ago on this morning where they had a knife thrower and it accidentally got. <laughs> have you seen that clip? No. no. I was years ago. I think like Firm Britain was on it or something back then. They got this person, you know, tied. You know, this sort of woman tied up and uh, he's doing knife throwing. And he, and he throws it and accidentally gets her. And they're like, oh, there's a bit of blood there. It's on this morning. It's on YouTube. Five, four, three, okay. two, one. <laughs> Stop throwing. Marvellous. Very good. Two. Very oh, good. Oh, my God, there's blood. She's got a cut. She does have a cut. But do we know how many that was? 67. 67. round of applause. Marvellous. And we'll see you after the news. Don't try it. Chang's this morning moment on stage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Except for his, is he opens the door and a dead body falls out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Britain. Yeah, you haven't got Fern Britain going. Oh, there's a little bit of blood there. And then they they, they then, shut the curtain and Martin McCutcher comes on and does. This is my perfect moment. <laughs> oh my god, it's all coming together. And then the Muppets come on stage and they're all cheering. Mine, get off, Martin, get off. <laughs> Take your Olivier and go, for God's sake. <laughs> 
the talents of Wen Chiang starring Martin McCutcheon, the Muppets, the Muppets, Ben Breton, Maybe Martin McCutcheon could play Leela. Maybe that's why we've not that's been able true, to cast it, it with a Muppet. There is always one human in it, isn't there, normally? So maybe yeah. Martin McCutcheon is the guest star. Maybe that's Eat why we've just not been able to or I'll cut it. your throat. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the two old guys can be sat in the top of the, you know, when the body comes out yes. and goes, that was awful. Here in oh! the other one. <laughs> we've got the doctor and Leela in one and then it scans over to the one next to it and they're both there. <laughs> if anyone is listening to this... <laughs> so, again. <laughs> if anyone is listening to this who is great at doing photoshopping, please can someone photoshop <laughs> those two old guys in the talons of Wing Chiang. Just, just next to the Leela yeah. and Doctor, yeah. Just the minute that Katie yeah. falls out, they just go, whoa! <laughs> this wasn't this in the show last night. <laughs> no, no, this up. Oh, goodness me. Do you also find out a bit more about Chang's backstory in this? <laughs> about where. <laughs> Sorry, it's got to that moment where we just have a bit of a giggle. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Um, you find out about his backstory about where the, the cabinet and everything. And then I, th- I sort of feel sorry for him by the end. By the time he's been eaten by the rat and he's just sitting there <laughs> later on, I feel like because he wasn't the big baddie. He was the the servant, the one that's always the one just working for the, the main baddie. He, I mean, I don't feel that sorry for him. He killed a lot of people. He did kill a lot of Yeah. Yeah. A lot of women were killed. I mean, <laughs> he, 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 a lot of women killed. Yeah, but he—he he doesn't know, even he really redeem himself, for... does he? Really? Because in that in episode five, he he can't even bother to tell them where he is. Yes, he, he leaves a clue, and I'm like, just tell him, just tell him. It's probably because he's high on drugs, isn't he? Let's face it, because he's he's legless, as in he hasn't got any legs. Not drunk. <laughs> he's absolutely <laughs> off his head. <laughs> He's had too many, um, what, not, um, oh gosh, what do we call them? Hmm? Muffins. No, Camparis. Muffins? Camparis. What drink do we have oh, at the Oscars? Oh, Terry Nations. He's had too many Terry Nations. Oh, he's had too many Terry Nations. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, I think he's, he's, the acting is, and the character is all there for me to feel slightly sorry for him in a way. Okay, just, just me. You, yeah, okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't feel sorry for him, but I don't see him as the bad guy. Yeah, you summed it up. That's what I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think he sort of led down a path, but ultimately he made his choices because he got given all that power to... You know, the reason he could do all those tricks and do all that, and he had power beyond the years is what he was told. And he, he used that for his own advantage to do all this, to travel and do his own show. So, like, it's not like he didn't gain from it. And in exchange, he had to keep bringing women to be killed. Yeah, okay, okay. I see your point now, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> anyway, moving on. And for having, you know, this Jago and Lightfoot, Double act for that end up having all these audio dramas. They o- they only meet at the end of the story. They only have that yeah, episode, last episode together. Episode five. I've in, in my notes. I've put that's when they first meet. Yeah, yeah. So they have like one episode together, and the 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 um 
the chemistry is so great between them that they, from that one episode. They go on to have a whole series, a whole 13 series. They do. They do. They were, weren't they in other sets as well? I feel like they came and did other, like, oh, they aren't they in all the, sorts of Yeah, the, a Colin Baker set at one point and they're in a... Yeah, they do some other Tom Baker ones as well. They come back and, yeah, they do, they do loads. Yeah. But there's uh, a there's sort of a real they kind of remind me of um ah oh, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie Hugh Laurie what, yeah what were their characters Je- what Jeeves and Worcester yeah very Jeeves and Worcestery oh, I suppose in a little uh, sort of in like another they're of. not like no one's like but that's sort of like the eccentric one to the um, sensible one level headed yeah. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeeves and Worcester, the new Jeeves and Worcester. There we go. The Talons of Wings Triang, starring <laughs> Martin McCutcheon, <laughs> Stephen Fry, Fry. Laurie, <laughs> <laughs> the Muppets. This cast is getting amazing. Martin McCutcheon, Martin McCutcheon. <laughs> Roland Rat could be the rat, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Nah, put it as Rizzo. Put it as Rizzo. No, in my head, it's some like either really big star or some 90s star that's making a comeback. So, like, when Disney did The Little Mermaid... Oh, no, not Disney, but they redid a live action of Little Mermaid recently, and they had um, Shaggy as Sebastian, and it's, like, the most amazing thing to watch on YouTube. It's hilarious and brilliant, and I love it. It's, like, it's the thing you didn't know you needed in your life that's in your life now. You're welcome. But... um, I feel like it might be someone like like Peter Andre's playing the rat or something like that. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be something like that. Or it's like, and the rat played by Lizzo. Do you know what I mean? Like on the other extreme. It's either like some massive star or it's Peter Andre. Okay, well, okay, we'll go for Peter Andre then. The Ten Onza Wing Chiang starring. Or, or you, you could have a cameo. <laughs> Martin McCutcheon. Yeah. <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. Anne Charlson okay. as the ghoul. <laughs> Harold, <laughs> I found the body, Harold. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> anyway, oh. getting back to Ten <laughs> Okay, right, back to part five. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, so they find out they've left behind the key or something from from the cabinet. Hmm. Uh, oh, the um, trionic lattice, actually. Uh, I, made, I made a note of that, which always reminds me of apple lattice pies when yeah. he said lattice. Yeah. I was getting a bit hungry then, watching that. Did you... Um, um, random question. Sorry, I've just... Did you ever have an action figure of Mr. Sin and Matt? Because do you remember they brought one out, didn't they? No, I didn't uh, get that. It's that yeah. set. No. Yeah. No, I mean, no, it was made. one of the very... They did the sort of... Where they brought out lots of classic monsters as action figures. One of them was... Did they do a, a robots, didn't they? They did the robots from the Robots of Death. Robots of and Death, Morbius, robots, yeah. And then, yeah, Magnus Grew and Mr. Sin. Yeah. Remember that? It was about 2008. Has absolutely no relevance to what you were talking about, but I've just... Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, making this, who would they... they if you told any of the cast and crew... In like forty years, there'd be action figures of this. Yeah, I don't think they'd have believed yeah. you. No, <laughs> I still don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> or there'd be thirteen series of Jago and Lightfoot. They wouldn't believe. Well, when that. well when you finish Doctor Who, that'll be the next thing. <laughs> oh my god, we are oh, large. Listen to all those Jago and Lightfoot. They are brilliant. to listen to they who. Are. 
<laughs> yes. No, I better anyway. not put that. I better uh, not put that in the show. <laughs> uh, so what have we got here? Oh, I've written "Don't take sweets from strangers" only because. Why did I write that? Was it? I, I put. You know the sting of the scorpion. It looked like a midget gem. Oh. Little midget yes, gems. I think that's why I put "Don't take sweets from strangers" because it's making this thing is poison. Even the I doctor take... said to him at one point, "No, no, don't give me that." Yeah. <laughs> when I was really young, I did take sweets from strangers oh, once. Mark, uh, it must have been like six or seven, <laughs> and I was out, and it was a snowy day. It was like snow everywhere, and I was literally I was outside my house, like outside of the garden in the road. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. Um, and then this old lady came up to me uh, and was like, hi. <laughs> I was like, hi. <laughs> she was like, do you want some sweets? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, my house is just here. Come with me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and no, she was in, it was in like a close. So she was like a sort of a neighbour. We didn't know who she was. Anyway, I went to her house and she gave me some Smarties. Um, and then when I came back outside, my mum was like, where have you been? <laughs> like, Aww. what's going on? Anyway, but it, no, but it turned out she was a really nice lady that lived over the road. Um, and she was, she'd been a nurse in the war. Uh, and she was diabetic. Uh, and she became like, she knew everyone in the close after that. And then there was a, quite a few of us, like kids in the close. We always used to go around her house and stuff. Um, so it was fine. Obviously, she probably was like, "Oh yeah, I should probably shouldn't have like <laughs> just <laughs> asked you to come in <laughs> for sweets." But no, I remember that very clearly. I yeah, it was a little box of Smarties oh. uh, that she gave me. But she was so lovely. She was really really nice. So we had a similar thing in primary school. So ours, our village primary school. So you had like. The back lane to like, so you had like the part, you know, your fields and stuff in the school where you could go and play. And the, there was like a back lane where, and there were some houses just there. And there was an old man that lived in one, and some people lived in those houses. Um, and he was a neighbor to one of them. And he offered some sweets over the fence to the kids in school. And we had a whole assembly on not accepting sweets from strangers. And like, I don't think he meant anything by it. But equally, only one of the kids knew him, and the rest didn't, and it just caused the whole thing. I've, I've got um, my own sweet story as well. Was in in two thousand and two, I went. This is such a me story. I went to a signing event, and Tom Baker gave me a whole tube of Jelly Babies. I must. Have, I was about eight years old. I must have been yeah, about eight, eight, seven, eight years old. It was the first time I ever met baby. him. I was, and. I, uh, yeah, I remember he was he was signing. It was just like signing autographs, and I was dressed up as him. And I asked him. I said, "Would you?" I said, "Would you like a jelly baby?" And he he was like, "Oh no, no, but you can have these." And it was like a little tube of jelly. You know, like the ones you get at Christmas that are in those. He, yeah. he gave me he gave me the whole packet of those sealed, and he said, "And I tell you what," and he signed them. And it says, "I've got them. I've still got them. Obviously, I've eaten them." But it's an empty jelly baby <laughs> packet, and it says for David Tom Baker. It's Aww. so sweet. He signed them, and he said, "There you are. Those are for you." It was very sweet. I, I think it's acceptable to take sweets from Tom yeah. Baker. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it now, um, it, it, he probably was wanting to get rid of them because I don't think he actually <laughs> is a big fan of Jelly Babies. I think he was like, great, give these to the kids. But, um, give these to a child. Yeah, give yeah. them to the child. But yeah, it was very sweet. Yeah. But um, yeah, but kids, if you're listening, don't take sweets from strangers because it could be scorpion venom. Unless it's Tom Baker. So it's interesting. In my village as well, like... We used to, so 
it wasn't a big village, but it had like, we had two parks with two ends of it. So we had a big park and that led on to a little park at the other end. And there's a guy that lived there um, who, it, who like, so basically parents would always know where you were because people who just lived in the village would just be like, your kids are here. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so then you go to another end of the village and some parents, some person that lived there be like, oh, the kids are here. And he had a dog. I've forgotten his name. Um, but we used to walk the dog. And like, yeah, we just, it was a very random like situation whereby just because everyone knew each other in the village. But, and this came out much, much later as an adult. So like my friend, like two or three doors up. So her uncle was a police officer and said to don't go in his house and like that was all that was ever said and then like this came out when we were growing up so, like he basically was a pedophile and his her uncle was a police officer and knew that but this is before like the laws were out that you so he was like just do not go in that house so he knew being a police officer um but wasn't allowed to like say or do anything. He was just like, just don't go in that house. Don't go in that house. Don't, don't even talk to them. And I like, I know exactly which house it was. Like they've, you know, they've lived with his mum and, uh, and they, they've all died and, you know, it's different people there now. So, but like growing up, we never did. Cause we were like, oh, they're a bit odd and just left it. But thinking about it, like there's everyone in the village, like everyone in the village, you just go up to people like, Hey, you do like, Oh, what your dog? Well, I'll do this. I'll do that. And, yeah, and I just remember that one. He was like, do not go in that house. Great. Yeah. Okay, uh, back to the <laughs> <winter. laughs> I don't know how to, how to move on from that. <laughs> so which Muppet will be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot this was the sixth part. I thought we were on the no. last part, but we I will say as well, there's um, another, another great cliffhanger of... Oh, sorry, go on. If you say, I've ordered ice cream, so at some point I'm just okay. going to pop down and get it. Because, um, you know. Another great cliffhanger of Magnus taking the... Taking, and again, again, Leela, if that had been another assistant, they would have just screamed. Leela, she's like, fuck you, I'm taking you, you know, I'm I'm fighting for my life sort of thing. Well, that was the moment when... that. To be fair, that was the, that was the first moment where I realised it wasn't the master. Yeah, yeah. Because up we until ain't got then, no other reason. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we don't really know who it is other than it's this evil guy and they believe it's a master. He calls him master and we just know that it's this evil guy that's like telling them what to do, who gets life force from people. That's all we sort of know. I love how quick it is. Is It's literally a sort of blink and you'll miss it kind of moment. Really. Yeah. It's, I just, and his yeah. face is just all disfigured, like it melted. It's like a wax candle that's melted on one side. And again, you know, imagine waiting for that next episode is that the um is that phantom of the opera influence there yeah is that what happens in phantom well of the he, opera he doesn't his... they don't rip his mask off but you do see the other side of his mask and it's all they do in phantom though don't they, they he she takes his mask off oh does she oh, yeah. i'm not the biggest fan of phantom of the opera so i'm i i my phantom of the opera knowledge is not as good as it's clever that they martin mccutcheon knowledge that time <laughs> or your muppet knowledge. muppet knowledge yeah, yeah. I reckon Martin McCutcheon's probably been in Phantom of the Opera at some point. I'm sure she no. she she would have been, but she was too ill, so she just it was the answer. <laughs> Hold your thought. I'm just gonna go and grab my ice cream. Okay. Okay. In fact, Mar- in fact, Martin McCutcheon. It's Calabrizella um, gelato. Ooh, nice. That's very nice. Get it before it melts. I mean, if also if Martin McCutcheon had been in this story, she probably wouldn't have 
finished it because she probably would have had to have been ill by episode <laughs> two or three. <laughs> Look, this is a brick of ice cream. Like, I just opened it. Why have I sent you that? Did you order um, that? <laughs> yeah, because then I got like 20% off, so... Episode six, going into episode six. Um, so Sarah's just having her interval ice cream at the theatre. <laughs> <I really am. laughs> Served by the ghoul. Uh, what happens? Also, oh, Jake and I like forget a lot of time here. They're locked up. This is where I thought there might be a little bit of padding here because you're just waiting for that for them to defeat Magnus Greel now. There's a bit of lock up and escape. Only a little bit. It's a lot of talking him down, a lot of, like that back and forth, yeah. There was a little bit, and then we find out he's the Magnus Greel, the Butcher of Brisbane, or something like that. <laughs> it's just random. Uh, and this is where Mr. Sin gets trigger-happy on the dragon, yeah. all, that, of all things. That's an amazing I say that dragon, it, that, that whole set is amazing, especially that dragon. And considering it was polystyrene, because I'm sure there's a making-of where they talk about it, and it, you see them like cutting it, and it's polystyrene. I mean, it looks, yeah. I mean, that's like Hollywood movie. This whole, all these sets and stuff are sort of Hollywood movie. That set is amazing. I mean, we've had some really good sets. We've had the houses and stuff like that. But that one in particular, just for what is essentially this one episode, it's really good. Yeah, I wonder what happened to that dragon afterwards. I hope they didn't, they probably just broke it up. and Probably. It's probably still at BBC somewhere. I've been waiting to use on another show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so this is where it did fall down a little bit. You've got, um, yeah, it's just a lot of talking, and they're, they're being sort of held ransom, aren't they, by the dragon gun thing? I, I love, I love that bit, and it always makes me laugh. Is you know the bit when Leela says to Jago, "You have to distract him so I can grab the gun," and he just stands up and goes, "I say, I say, I say." I, I, just... yeah. <laughs> I don't know because I do feel like. That last episode, it does end very quickly. It is very rushed at the end. But it, it, it does kind of feel like a bit of a sort of battle in a way. Because Magnus Grill is such a kind of... He's a great character. He's a great villain to for them to vent with. But there is part of you that thinks, are they actually going to be able to defeat him? And like the bit when they're sort of behind that... Is it a table, isn't it? Where they're all kind of shooting at him. I mean, it's sort of... And also, again, Leela would, would just shoot him if it was up to her i think if this program hadn't been called doctor who it would be called leela who because she'd just go in shoot him and she's proper like having a go at him when he's trying to tie her up and put her in the machine and she's like i'm see gonna you in hell back and cause vengeance yeah basically yeah see yeah, you yeah. all this stuff i think i'd have liked a little bit more um movement actually um, it felt quite static and like a lot of back and forth in terms of dialogue rather. And it's just because that's, that's awesome and everything's taking place basically in one place, you know? Because um, by then we've all had that, yeah. that epic scene just before that, which was season five, where season five, well, say that again. We've had that epic scene, which was episode five, um, that was the, the box on the back of the cart being taken away. That was awesome. And you had all that sort of footage and that sort of movement. And it felt like, where's everything going to? And then this one just felt a little bit one place, you know? I I also wonder if you're going to, if you're going to build a set like that, you want to use it. 
That's the other thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I kind of wish we'd seen it a bit sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the the direction is a, is a little bit static because you've got them. It's the dragon versus the table, basically. But it's good that you see all those characters together now. You've got everyone in the same room. But yeah, I think maybe that's and what it is. And behind the scenes as well, I know that they, again, watching the documentary on this, they very, they said the reason that that final bit is a bit rushed is because they very nearly didn't get it finished. And I think maybe that's possibly why it doesn't look as good as it could is because they very nearly actually had to scrap the entire program because they weren't going to get it done in time because of things like the, the, the shots not working and in terms of like the explosions not working and, and things like that. So in a way, I can kind of forgive them a little bit for it being a bit kind of scatty. When yeah, when I, I love the bit when Mister Sin just goes absolutely mad and just starts shooting all the slaves and and I mean it's just yeah, completely bonkers. I love it. Power hungry. Mm. The, but the I like that. That really felt for me the unpredictability of that character. And I love that because that that felt really evil. That's why I was like, "Oh, that character's just so so evil." And even the bit when he jumped, you know, when at the end when he jumps on top of Leela, and uh, I mean, there is a you do it, yeah, and the doctor, yeah. oh yeah, and I mean, there is a point where you go, "There's no one in that outfit," and it's just a little, but, uh, but it doesn't matter to me. That doesn't matter at all. No, no, they they work with it really well. And the way that the Doctor pushes Magnus Grill into that machine, he probably yeah. like, slams yeah. him. He just slams him, switches on, done. Yeah. <laughs> like, as, yeah. as quick as that, possible. That, yeah. He probably like, pushes That's him. That's for me, I think, again, I think they could have possibly done something a bit better. It seems a bit of a sort of cop-out to kind of go, push him in there, and that's the end. Which, but Doctor Who does that a lot. Like, this is not the only story it, it happens in. And it often does happen in six parters where, like, two minutes to go, they go, oh, I don't know how to get rid of them. Let's just shoot them or blow them up or something. So, I think out, I think out of all the characters, Magnus Greer or Wing Chiang is the least memorable for me. Whenever I think of this story, I don't think of him first. I think of all Mr. Sin and Chang and everybody at Jago and Lightfoot. I never really think of that guy in the mask really he's always a bit of an afterthought for but again and it's another great performance i mean it's a i mean it's the guy it's the guy who's the morbius isn't it it's that same actor who who's, oh yeah morbius. Who is yeah he's yeah. the voice of morbius in fun enough the brain of morbius oh, but it, but it's it's a very great i mean watching it i'm i was just watching that final episode thinking he's having a ball doing this like because it's a great part and it's you can kind of go over the top in it and sometimes, and I'm sure you know we've seen this in Doctor Who. Sometimes when actors go over the top, it doesn't work. But for this, it really it's just like crazy. It, evil. Well, it comes across as crazy. Yeah, crazy mad. You've lost your yeah. mind. What else have you to lose? I mean, it could have been Omega as well as that character. Mm. Same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. A guy in a hat. Man in a mask. Yeah, a guy and, in a hat. <laughs> and the bit as well, talking about how brutal the Doctor is. You know, when he stamps on the on the key thing. And Mr. Like he does it so near Mr. Sin's face, like you see the actor kind of like freak out a little bit. I'm like, bloody hell, blimey! I mean, yeah, I noticed that when I watched it. Yeah, it's like must, must be like some resin thing that is, like, but it's very close to his smashes. face. Mm. Yeah, it's really when violent. it smashed, it was a proper. It took me by surprise how much it smashed. Actually, 
Yeah, and then it's yeah, it's sort of wrapped up very quickly, and and off Leela and the Doctor go. So with some muffins, the muffins yeah. from the Muffin Man on Drury Lane. Yeah. So um, it, yeah, it, I think it's out of all the a lot of the six parts we've had, it's definitely up there as it actually sustains. Yeah. The time. I give it a nine out of ten. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh that's Ooh. that's good praise. Oh. Yeah. I do find the end is a bit weird. I do find that like that bit where they sort of turn to see the Lee Sang Chang poster is a bit odd. I don't know, it doesn't for me. I think ironically, I think the last episode is the weakest and I sort of lose interest once we have the baddie. Yeah. Yeah. Like all running up to it, all the other characters are so strong. But once it's just we're trying to stop this guy. I kind of lose a lot of my, yeah, my lot of, uh, the love sort of goes a little bit, and he's good, but we've had such strong performances before. We've had like fun moments, nostalgia, like I don't know. It just felt I wasn't as invested as I had been in the other five running up to it. That when it happened, I was like, okay, apart from the. Mr. Singh stuff where it was just a bit that was really good because it just felt very scary and maybe it's because we've seen that character the whole way through that I'm invested in that character enough because we literally seen him from the start he's on stage as the as the um, the puppet well there we are well we um, we better head off for the the Muffin Man is on we his way we'll go out the stage door so, shall we um, we will go yeah we've got well we better get off the stage before um, Chang starts levitating us all over the place yeah. yeah, and I'd be the only one who knows yeah. how it's that woman comes on and sings her song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've got to move out of the way for the Victoria musical yeah. moment. And if we, I think if we got the stage, all the ghoul will be waiting for their signing of false teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I thought it would be a it's a success for all of us. This one, I don't. Yeah, yeah. it's again, it's up there for everyone. I think, I think. it's it's for me. This is one of Doctor Who's finest stories and that's you know i don't say that often but i do think that this one is just yeah it's such a beautiful story and it you know there there are things in it that like giant rats and things like that that, that don't exactly work but if you look past the giant rat and you know other things, i think that but ultimately i think you have to do that with doctor who on some things because it's an old show and it's of its time and it's not what we have on TV nowadays. Well, we mean, expect big budgets. If we were bothered about all the special effects, we wouldn't love Keys and Marinus, would we? Oh, no. And Keys and Marinus is Little Hands. Do you know what I mean? And we love Little Hands. <laughs> yeah. And, well, also... I literally thought is... about Keys and Marinus the other day, you know. Oh. I don't even know. It just popped in my head. I was like, oh, Keys and Marinus. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> I loved that one. Um, well, that was the last story of this season. No. Another season there done. No. I genuinely thought you were going to tell me the name of another one then. No. <gasps> oh, can I? Can I? I've, like, it shows how much attention I've paid to my Brit box that it didn't go into 15. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you mind if I, if I say what the next story is going to be called? Go on. It's called Horror of Fang Rock. Horror of Fang Rock. Fang as in okay. like fangs. Yeah. 
See, the thing is, I've got the Hound of Baskervilles in my head, so because we've just been Sherlocky, so but I don't think it'll be that. Mm, interesting. Okay, I'm going with. I'm gonna go mm, not historical. I'm gonna go future, like sci-fi. It's only four. Only four. I can't believe it's the end of a season. Yeah, we had, we had three stories with Leela. Yeah, this was the initial third, one, yeah. and then two as a companion. Well, because we started off, down. it doesn't. It seems really recent that we did Mandragora with I know. on those legs. That was the beginning of the season. It's changed so much. In it's this a, this, this cool, is blind. this is one of those seasons actually where it, the show does change, like you say, so much from the beginning. If you watch it all from the start, it's a very different program when it starts to when it finishes. And because oh yeah yeah this story was the last of the producers' run. I mean, he does say he wanted to go out with a bang, and I think he very much did with this one. Yeah, I think yeah. So different producer next season. Yeah. Gosh, okay. Um, so we'll see what Exciting, happens. Exciting, yeah. And he means uh, a Doscas. And we've got Doscas to sort out as well, Doscars pretty soon. I'm not being funny, but you've already decided it. It's just the ghoul's going to win everything. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to have best costume and best cliffhanger added as well. Oh. I've remembered, so we're doing it. <laughs> can I put? Can I please put in Leela getting gnawed by a rat in? Okay, that could okay. be your, your nomination. Cliffhanger, yeah. I mean, it won't go in, but I'm just like, you know, I'm just... <laughs> Sarah's not saying anything. I can't remember any yet. It's it like, I'm sh- Mark has to explain all of them to me. I'll remember this one, and that's probably about it. Well, I'll start making some lists, and I'll use our, our wiki, Dusker's Guide. Yeah, I'm genuinely also thinking, I don't know when we're going to do it. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's two <laughs> things in my head right now. <laughs> That's fine. I'll talk to Jay. Go see when the the theatre's free for it. Uh, oh yeah, the theatre. Get something booked in, so we'll be back, everyone. On back this in the theatre, yay! Yeah. <laughs> God, and it'll be full of season fourteen characters. God, yeah. you'll have the Vox yeah. robots. There. I can't believe I'll, I'll start all, all Twos, twos will yeah. be there. Eldrad will be there. T- <laughs> twos. <laughs> yeah, they'll be there. Remember Eldrad. Eldrad. Yeah, Giuliano. Oh, um, Miss Jackson. Well, yeah, so we'll look forward to that. So, David, thank you very well, much. Well, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Story. Thank you, David. It's lovely to see you both. Where can people find uh, you to get oh, in touch? Oh, hello. Um, my Twitter is at Mrs. Remington fan. And my Instagram right. is a little bit of chaos. There we go. Cool. Well, yeah, so we better head off. And this is quite a long episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take it's going out in like two days to our members. It's going out in two days. Oh, so. is it? Is it that soon? Oh, we will see you. Okay. Yeah. Wow. We will uh, see you all very soon for our Doskers. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 Watch Who, and you can support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash 2 Watch Who. And our members can look forward to nominations. On nominations video and then and nominating. <laughs> and yeah. then we'll have the Doscas we'll soon. Touch. Yeah, it's all happening. <laughs> uh okay. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.